Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? Pretty good? You excited to be here? Man, I'm fired up to be here with you today. Wasn't that an incredible worship set? Man, I hope that you felt what I was feeling and just have the opportunity to express to God how you feel about Him freely and uninhibited. And, and you know, I've been to some, some games here in our hometown, like a Colts game or an IU basketball game, and I see some people cheering their teams and uh, raising their hands and screaming and yelling. And I just want to let you know that when you come to church, you can do that. Like, you can, don't, don't hold back. Like if, you get a, like, if you love Jesus, like, if he's the treasure of your life, man, raise your hands. You are free in this place to express yourself. Uh, so I just want to open that up, okay? Because he's worthy of our praise. He is. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, hey, if you're a guest with us here today, uh, you probably came to uh, because someone invited you or someone you know is getting baptized, and we want to welcome you into our home. We hope you feel like an honored guest. We've got some free coffee out there in the foyer for you. Uh, we got some restrooms that hopefully smell nice for you, some nice hand soap for you. You guys like the hand soap? Love the hand soap. Yeah, sometimes it's the little details. Uh, but we want you to feel welcome here at Emmanuel. And so we are in a series right now called Closer Than Ever. It's the first series that we've started in 2017. And basically the idea in this series is to kind of, you know, wherever we are with God in our relationship is just to kind of draw closer to him. And week number one, I asked everyone to kind of give yourself a grade on a scale of one to ten. Where are you with God? You know, one being very far away from God, ten being very close to God. And uh, our hope is that whatever grade you gave yourself, whatever number you gave yourself, you're just going to move a little bit closer. If you gave yourself a three, we hope you move to a five. Or if you gave yourself a five, maybe move to or, toward a seven. Or if a seven, maybe toward a nine. And uh, that's really what we've been trying to do in this series. And we've been using Psalm 34 which is written by a guy named David. It's an incredible psalm. David was a man after God's own heart, right? So he, he, uh, he had some things to say about how to get closer to God, but he also lived very close to God. And I love David because even though he was close to God, he wasn't perfect. He messed up big time, right? He had a lot of sin in his life, but yet God showed him a ton of grace and he was able to continue to walk close with God. And so it doesn't reflect our lives, right? Is anybody perfect here? You know, nobody's perfect here, but we can still walk close with God even though we're not perfect. And so we've been looking at some ideas like how do you draw closer to God? We have to treasure him. We have to value him. We have to find our significance in him, therefore be able to boast about him. We have to make it the goal of our life to make him look good instead of ourselves. Last week we talked about if we want to be close to God, we have to seek him with all of our heart because practically speaking, he delivers us from many different things in our life and he also satisfies us. And so that's a little bit of a sum up, very, very quick version. If you want to watch the whole sermons, you can get online and watch the podcast and do that. Today, what are we going to talk about today? Isn't it fun to be here? <laughs> Unpack another different idea. We're going to talk about this idea that's actually captured in verse 9 of Psalm 34 and the following verses about fearing God. How are we going to be close to God, closer than ever? We are going to have to learn how to fear God. I want you to look with me at verse 9. We ended at verse 8 last week. Let's look at verse 9. This is what David says. Fear the Lord. Very simple command. Fear the Lord, you his saints, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack 
nothing. Very similar idea to Matthew 6.33, which is some of your life verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto him, unto that person who puts God first and seeks the kingdom of God. David says simply, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no lack for those who fear him. Now, this idea of fearing God It's all over the Bible, I promise you. Every year I read through the Bible, it's in every chapter, not every chapter, it's in every book. It's Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. The idea of fearing God is literally just crammed inside of this book. But even though it's all over the place and David tells us to do it, it can be pretty confusing sometimes. In fact, you don't really hear a lot of preachers or you don't even hear a lot of series. You know, if you, if you, if you watch different churches and different pastors online, you don't, you're not going to find a series on how to fear God, even though the Bible's crammed with this idea. Because it's like, ah, it sounds a little awkward, fearing God. Some of you grew up in a church where the preacher would put the fear of God in his people. You ever had anybody have a preacher like that? Veins and red face and... You go to church, man, you fear God. You know, the pastor would try to scare the hell out of you. You know, literally, you know. <laughs> you walk out of here thinking, you know, you know God's going to get me, you know. And, and, and honestly, honestly, that is, that is the way that some preachers have, have presented this idea that God is someone that you are supposed to be afraid of and he's going to scare you into obeying him. He's going to scare you into following his rules and regulations. And so because that's, you know, kind of a common idea, a lot of preachers don't even touch this concept. But it's right there in Psalm 34. Fear the Lord, you his saints, you his holy people, because there is no lack for those who fear him. What does this mean? Well, I think we can get a better idea of what it means to fear God by thinking about what a people pleaser is. Is anybody willing to admit that you're a people pleaser? Now, the people pleasers are going to raise their hand because you don't want to (laughs) disappoint me because I just asked you a question. People pleasers routinely do what other people want because they don't want to disappoint them. You agree? Yes or no? And maybe you know a people pleaser. Maybe you are a people pleaser. But the idea behind a people pleaser or or what a people pleaser is gives us a picture into what it looks like to fear God. A people pleaser just is afraid to disappoint people. Well, a person who fears the Lord is someone who simply does not want to disappoint God. In your notes, I gave you a definition of what it looks like. To fear the Lord means to ultimately, to be ultimately concerned about what God thinks on all matters. Like the top concern is not what other people think. It's not even what I think. It's not what important people think in the world. It's, wait a second, what does God think about this particular situation? That's what it means to fear God. The ultimate concern in my life, the ultimate concern in your life is what does God think about my decision in regards to this job I'm about to take, this relationship I'm about to enter into, this money I'm about to spend or invest, this decision I'm about to make for my son or my daughter. What? The person who fears God just simply says, time out, I know we're considering all the opinions, but what does God think about this matter? Because the person who fears God just really doesn't want to disappoint God, doesn't want to be cross with God. Now, Many of you were raised in a home where you had good parents and you, you kind of fell into this, right? You, don't, you didn't want to disappoint your mother or your father, so you simply father. You don't want to be cross with them, so this makes sense, yes? person who fears God is ultimately concerned with what God thinks. Now, let me, let me be clear about something. God is no respecter of persons. In other words, he doesn't play favorites, yes? God is love, right? 
So by definition, he has to love everybody. So that's pretty good news. So if you're a complete idiot, guess what? God still loves you. It's, it's, a, pretty good, it's a pretty good deal. He has to love you. He's God, right? So there's, that's good news, okay? So, so by definition, God loves everyone because God is love. But, but, it doesn't mean that he likes you, <laughs> okay? There, there are certain people that God likes more than others. You say, pastor, preacher, I've never heard that before. You're preaching some heresy. Hold up, hold up, hold up. In your notes, this is, what I, this is the statement I want to make. God is a friend. He likes people who fear him. You say, can you prove that? Well, King David wrote a lot of the Psalms, and in Psalm 25, this is what he said. The friendship of the Lord is for those who, say it with me, fear him. The tightness. Now, God loves everybody in a general sense, but the tightness, the friendship, the the one-on-one companionship, the closeness. Look, the name of this series is Closer Than Ever. I'm trying to help you to get close to God. The fear of the Lord is reserved. The friendship of the Lord is reserved for those who fear God, for those who make God's opinion their ultimate concern. Now, doesn't that make sense? Like, if you were God, right, and and you made a bunch of people, you ever see Bruce Almighty? He screwed it up big time. I could have done much better than him. You probably could have too. If you were God and you made a bunch of people, right, and you gave them this thing, this crazy thing called free will. I mean, think about that. Free will. You can choose to love me. You can choose to not love me. It's your choice. You, and you made all the people, right? And then you find a couple of people, a group of people, or several million people. I don't know how many you made. You're God. You made that decision, right? There's a percentage of the people that you made and you gave them free will and they freely chose to make your opinion their top concern. Wouldn't you like those too? Wouldn't you make those people that you created your close companions? They are freely choosing to make your opinion on all issues their top concern. I think you would draw close to them too and so God does. God says this, the friendship, my friendship is for those who make my opinion about all matters in their life top concern. Wow. How do you draw close to God? You and I must fear him. What does it mean to fear God? To make his opinion the top concern in our life. Now, David goes on to explain a little bit of what it looks like practically on a day-to-day basis uh, of how to fear God or what it, what it looks like for a person who fear God, fears God in their practical life. I'm going to show you three things. The first one I want to show you is this. The person who fears God desires that which is good, desires good things. Listen to, to verse 11. He desires what is good. Come, O children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Then he asked this question, very good question. What man is there, what person is there who desires life? This is the good life. That's what the Hebrew means. The real, who, who out there wants to live a really good life, a full life, and loves many days that he may see all kinds of goodness in his life? In other words, if you want to live the good life, you have, it comes by fearing the Lord. Now remember, the Lord reserves his friendship for those who fear him. He's tight with them. Now, I know that you've probably had this experience, I've had this experience in my life, where you start running with a group of people and you start to desire what they desire, Right, this, is why, this is why business people do mastermind groups, and this is why different sorts of people kind of get together because you begin to rub off on each other, and you begin to shape each other and mold each other and become like each other. I had this group of friends at Liberty where I went to college. Uh, There's about six of them, and uh, five or six of them, and they had a, they had a, 
a very different set of desires and aspirations and, and, and I don't know, uh, things that they like to do than any, any friends that I've ever had previously before that. In fact, I, my friends were a bunch of knuckleheads growing up. They wanted to do bad things and wrong things, and I got caught up in that and almost went to jail a few times. Okay, okay. <laughs> Going further than I wanted to go there. But anyway, I had these new friends at Liberty, and, and, and odd, odd, it was so odd. They actually, they wanted to like get together on a Thursday night and study the Bible. It's like, that's weird. <laughs> then sometimes they'd want to get together and do like a prayer thing. Prayer, you know, while I was at Liberty, just five, six guys, you know. Then they'd, they'd want to pray sometimes together, and you know, they'd see me going through something and say, hey, let's pray about that. I thought it was weird at first, because I was a brand new Christ follower. Then sometimes they would get all excited about going out into the streets of Lynchburg, Virginia, which is where Liberty is, and, and sharing their faith with people on the street. I thought, that's weird. It's weird, weird, weird. They started to desire, they, they desired to do these things. And then sure enough, as I started to hang out with them, I started to desire an appetite to pray. I started to desire more Bible study in my life. I started to desire to share my faith with people. And all of a sudden, my group of friends' desires became my desires. Well, guess what? The person who fears the Lord is tight with God. And as you're walking with God in friendship, you start to desire what God desires. And God desires all kinds of really good things. Do you agree with this? God desires things like peace and unity and harmony and integrity and faithfulness inside the context of marriage. And he desires truth. And God desires lots of beautiful things. And all of a sudden, because you're walking with him and you're tight with him, you start to want what he wants. And by default, you find this thing called abundant life. Listen to what King David's son, Solomon, wrote in Proverbs 19. The fear of the Lord leads to, say it with me, life. Not the American dream, folks. Not big houses and cars and the ability to eat wherever you want to eat and go on fancy vacations and be popular and famous. There's nothing sinful about that. But that's not what Solomon's talking about. He's talking about a rich and full life because you have started to desire that which is good and you have found it. And now you have healing inside your soul and you have found peace and you have found joy. The fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever finds it, whoever has it, rests content, satisfied. So good. The person who fears God desires what is good. The person who fears God, number two, also talks differently. They just talk differently. Our world is filled with unwholesome talk. Do you agree? From the top political offices in our country down to our, the homes that we live in and everywhere in between. School systems, blah, 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 blah. Sports teams. Filthy language. Unwholesome talk. Slander, gossip, cussing. Unwholesome talk. But the person who fears God doesn't engage in that. They, talk, they, just, they just talk differently. Listen to verse 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. There's something different about the words of a person who fears God. They just don't engage in the gossip. They don't engage in the slander. They don't get on Twitter and tear people down. They don't do that. Even if it's deserved. They, don't, they just don't engage in any type of exaggeration or lying or unwholesome talk. Why? Because they know that when they talk, there's somebody else listening. Who's listening? Who's listening? Who's reading my tweets? You guys like my tweets, by the way? <laughs> you should follow me on Twitter. Every now and then I say something pretty. Anyway, anyway, anyway. 
guess who's reading my tweets? Who's reading my tweets? Jesus Christ is reading my tweets. He's reading your Facebook posts. He hears the conversation you're having with your spouse. He hears every word that comes out of your mouth. And the person who fears God just understands that they live before God, that that they have an audience of God, that he's there. He's there. He hears. And the person who fears God is concerned about what he thinks, about what they just said. Jesus was trying to break this down for some of the Pharisees of the day, the religious leaders in Matthew 12. He had some pretty tough words. Listen to what he said in Matthew 12. He says, guys, I tell you this, this is the way it is. You're going to give an account on Judgment Day. Everybody's got a Judgment Day. For every idle, say it with me, word that you speak. Every word you speak. And guess what, guys? Your words, they're either going to acquit you or they're going to condemn you. Got to sit down for that one. God's going God's to show me my tweets. Remember when you said? Remember when you said that to your wife? Remember when you said that to your son? Remember when you lost your temper with that employee, that fellow coworker, and you said, blah, 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 blah. I was listening. And the person who fears God, they just, they just have come to this realization that my words are being heard by Heavenly Father, and He cares, and He has an opinion. And so they just, they just have changed. Listen, I, more and more as I get older, and I don't, I, I don't know if, I hope I'm maturing. I really do. Gosh, you ever wonder, am I ever going to grow up? You ever wonder that? I'm noticing that one of the ways that I'm maturing is that I'm, I'm, I'm shutting up. Now, my wife might say, no, you're not. You're still... But at least I'm, I'm thinking things, and I'm thinking, well, normally I would say this at this time, and I'm not going to say that, because Heavenly Father wouldn't like that. That's going to bear some fruit. That's going to hurt some people. That's going to, and I'm holding those words back. I've still got a long way to go. The person who fears God, they just, they desire what is good. They talk differently. They speak differently. Colossians 3.17 is a great guidepost. Listen to this. Whatever you do or, say it with me, say, whatever you say. In whatever context, email, social media, actual words, do it as a, say, say with me, representative of, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, a person who fears God, they just know that, that when they speak, their words are representing their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So they're very careful. They're very careful with what they say. And then number three, the person who fears God, is they just avoid all kinds of evil. They, this, they just avoid all, everything that is bad. They try to. They don't get it perfect, but they avoid lots of evil. Our world is filled with evil. Do you agree with this? There's sexual temptation everywhere you look. There's lies. There's stealing. There's cheating. There's just, it's just everywhere you turn, our world is filled with evil. Listen to verse 14. This is what David says. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The person who fears God, their, their ultimate concern is what God thinks. Well, what does God think about evil? He hates it. He hates lies. He hates pride. He hates anger. He hates deceit. He hates lust. He hates adultery. He hates affairs. He hates evil. And so the person who fears God, they just have, because their ultimate concern is what God thinks, they've come to see evil the way God sees it. They, they agree on all fronts. They say, yes, God, I hate that too. I hate that like you hate that. Watch Proverbs 8.13. This is David's son, Solomon. The fear of the Lord is what? 
hatred of evil. Well, how did, that, how did he get there? Well, the person who fears God just simply thinks about evil the way God thinks about evil and says, I agree. I hate it too. They don't like it because they don't like evil. They don't engage in it. I hate spinach. Anybody else? I mean, I despise it. Maybe it's because my mom used to boil it, which is the sickest thing you could ever do to a child. I really am. I still wake up at night sometimes. She would boil it until it turned into like a seaweed type substance. And she'd flop it on our plates and it would splash, it would splash. And then she'd say, then she'd say, you're not leaving the table until your spinach is gone. I'm like, you're sick, woman. <laughs> That's child abuse. You want to know what child abuse? Where was the phone number back then? You know, you. <laughs> so, so to this day, to this day, I don't, because I hate spinach, I don't eat it. You have anything you hate? What if you hated lying? Hated it. Would you do it? What if you hated cheating of all kinds? Stealing. What if you hated it? Would you engage in it? What if you hated putting people down, slander, gossip, or or making someone feel small? What if you hated that? Would you do it? See, what we hate, we don't engage in. We just don't. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. No wonder the Bible says also David's son Solomon in Proverbs 9, he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what it says. Well, this is, this is great. This, is, this makes complete sense. If I hate evil, I'm going to start making better decisions. That's wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing the difference between right and wrong and doing what's right even when it's hard, which, by the way, you can really use with your kids. Make them memorize that. Wisdom is knowing the difference between right and wrong and doing what's right even when it's hard because it's hard. How do they make that choice? How do our children, how do my children make that choice? How do I make that choice? I fear the Lord. At least I try to. And all of a sudden, you start making really wise choices. That's how the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom. You know, I talk to people about their problems, not all the time. And sometimes I'll hear their decisions, and I'll listen to their situation, how they got into the situation that they're in. And... uh, what I notice right away is that there's a lot of poor choices that have allowed them to get or caused them to get into the situation. It's not always their choices, but choices oftentimes lead to those scenarios and situations of pain. And uh, for instance, when I, uh, I, sometimes I'll talk to somebody about somebody they married, and uh, they'll tell me this long story about how bad their spouse is. And oftentimes what I'll say is, hey, bud, it's your fault. It's your fault. After they told me about 30 minutes of why, how, how bad their spouse is. You married her, bud. Hey, bud, you lack wisdom. You married her because she was a hottie. Because she had nice curves. What are you going to do? It's a lack lack of wisdom, right? You reap what you sow. Am I right? Yes or no? We reap what we sow. We make poor decisions. We're going to get in ourselves all kinds of trouble. Fear of the Lord says, I know this lady's hot. (laughs) She is good looking. But Lord, what do you think about her? Her character. 
What do you think about the fact that she's had four or five relationships in her past that have just totally crumbled because of this or that or this or that? And then you consider and you think through things differently, right? And you make better choices. The fear of the Lord, the person who fears the Lord, they just avoid all kinds of pain because they avoid all kinds of evil. You with me? This is, this is real stuff. This is what lo- life looks like when you're walking close with God. So a person desires good, they talk differently, and they avoid all kinds of evil. Now, how do you develop the fear of the Lord? That's probably what you're thinking. Am I right? Danny, that's so good. How do I do that? How do I cultivate the fear of the Lord in my life? Like, isn't that what you were thinking? I'm so glad you asked that question because I'm going to tell you <laughs> the answer. David also wrote Psalm 33. He said this in Psalm 33, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world, watch this, stand in awe of God. So to fear the Lord means that I've come to this point where I am in awe of God. Have you ever been in awe of, of somebody? Recently, I, was, I told you the story of the fact that I went to uh, the Pacers game, the Pacer game they, played, uh, they played against Kevin Durant's team. What, what team is that? Golden State. And we had incredible seats. A friend of mine got us down low on the court, almost court side. And before the game, I went up to, you know, Kevin Durant, and he smacked my hand. And, I, and remember me telling you, I, I didn't wash my hand for, like, hours. <laughs> I was in, like, he was, like, this tall. And he was, he was, I was in awe of him. An amazing moment in my life. David says, you want to fear the Lord, you have to stand in awe of him. Well, how do, we stand, how do we come to stand in awe of God? Many of us struggle with that. For many of us, Jesus is a buddy. Jesus is a friend. He's the man upstairs. We've gotten too familiar with him. We don't stand in awe of him. How do we do that? Well, we have to come to see him as he is. We have to come to see Jesus for what he's really like. And if we can see him for what he's really like, we will begin to develop awe and we will start to fear him. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, listen to, what, listen to what happened. John the apostle saw Jesus. Watch what happens. When I saw him, watch the result. I fell at his feet as though dead. Wow. When I read that, I think, what did he see? That, that, that he crumbled physically and went down on his knees like a pile of rocks. What did he see to cause him to fall as though he were dead? You know what he saw? He saw Jesus for what he was really like. And he fell at his feet as though he were dead. See, the problem with the fear of the Lord is many of us don't care. Many of us don't care about what he thinks because we don't know who he is. We aren't concerned about what he thinks because we don't know who he is. We haven't seen him. We haven't, we haven't seen him like John saw him. If we saw him like John saw him, we would fall down at his feet and we would worship and we would be in awe. Do you agree, yes or no? There's a great little passage in C.S. Lewis's uh, book, the first book, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. There's this interaction between the beaver and Susan. And Susan is on, his way. Susan is on her way to meet Aslan. And so the beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Susan says, oh, I thought Aslan was a man. Should I, is he he safe? I shall be very much afraid to meet a lion. The beaver responds and he says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He is the king, I tell you. 
C.S. Lewis, for me, helped me to understand who I'm dealing with when I'm dealing with Jesus. I'm dealing with a lion, the lion of Judah, tender enough to get on a knee and have a child come up and sit on his knee and hold that child. Fierce enough to wipe out an entire army by himself. Who are we dealing with when we're dealing with Jesus? If we could see him as he is, we would fall down as though we were dead in awe of him. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I cultivate that? Well, one of the ways I do it is through the scriptures. I take this book, did it again this morning, and I open it up and I ask God to show me what he's like. So, t- so this morning was no different. Genesis chapter 44, 45, if you're doing the one-year Bible, you see a picture of God's sovereignty through the story of Joseph. That was this morning's reading. And you go to Matthew chapter 14, some of you read it this morning, and you see Jesus doing some amazing things. You see him turn five loaves of bread and two fish into enough food to feed 5,000 people. That was this morning's reading. Wow, that was 5,000 men plus women and children. And then in the very next couple of verses, you see Jesus walking on water. Wow. Who am I dealing with here? I'm dealing with a person who can walk on water, who can multiply five loaves of bread and two fish into enough food to feed over 5,000 people. And all of a sudden, at my kitchen table this morning, I'm like, wow, God, you're, you're unbelievable. You're miraculous. You're supernatural. And the awe starts to develop. And the fear of the Lord starts to develop in our hearts. So when I tell you to read the Bible, which I always do, right? I always tell you to read your Bible. Why, what am I really telling you to do? I'm telling you to get a clearer picture of who God is in your life, so you can develop the fear of the Lord, so you can begin to cultivate this idea that what he thinks in our lives is most important. Well, how else do you do it? You also, you also spend time worshiping. I mean, a few moments ago, we worshiped. That's, that's a way to, 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 to cultivate, you know, uh, awe for God. You, you got to get some incredible worship on your, on your iPods and your iPhones, and you got you to have these sessions of worship where it's you and God, and you're standing in awe. Sometimes it's silence and solitude where I'll get alone with, with, with myself, <laughs> that's what solitude is, and, and I'll just spend time with Jesus, and I'll just, I'll just stay there until he shows me something about himself, until I develop an awe. I, there's, there's, there's tons of ways to do it. Some of you love creation, or, or you, know, you go out and take a hike or a walk, and, and, and through what is seen, through the created things, you, you come to stand in awe. Maybe it's the stars, maybe it's a sunset, maybe it's a warm breeze, I, maybe it's the ocean. And all of a sudden, because of creation, you're developing an awe for who God is. There's lots of different ways to, to develop awe and therefore fear the Lord. What have I said today? Here's the deal. If you and I are going to draw closer to God, we're going to have to fear God. What does it mean to fear God? It means that our, the ultimate concern in our life is what he thinks. What does that look like practically? It looks like we start to desiring all kinds of good things. We, our talk is different, and we start to avoid all kinds of evil. Is this good stuff or what? Isn't David brilliant? God was working through him to write this psalm. It's so beautiful. Now the next step is yours. Will you start fearing the Lord? I want you to hear a story of somebody right now. I've, get, I've gotten to know this guy over the last year or so, and I've seen him take steps towards drawing close to God uh, through difficulty, through trials, through stress. His name is Matt Pavey. And then after we, we hear Matt's story, we're going to baptize some folks. And I know that's a big reason why many of you came today. And the baptism is a picture of what Jesus Christ can do in your life. When a person gets bit dipped into the water, the water symbolically washes them of their sins. It's a picture of what Jesus can do for you. 
If you should desire to be in a relationship with God today, you can have your sins forgiven. You can, you can die to your old way of life and be raised to a brand new life and become a child of God. We were singing about that today. I'm a child of God. That can happen for you today. So we're going to listen to Matt's story, then we're going to baptize some folks, and then I'll come back to wrap us up. Before Christ, um, I, I grew up Catholic. I knew of Jesus, and I believed in him. I just really wasn't following. I didn't really have a personal relationship with him. Um, everything in life seemed to be going pretty well. I was married, um, had a beautiful daughter, and um, things seemingly were going very smooth. And then all of a sudden in 2012, I find myself a single divorced dad, and um, life started to get a little bit messy. Whenever things didn't quite go my way, um, life started to fall apart. There was a point in my life being a single dad and being divorced um, and relationship after relationship seemingly kind of falling apart where I fell into you know, a little bit of a depression. Couldn't quite put things back together. Again, I think I started to realize I needed help. And at the time, I wasn't quite sure who to seek help from. I was seeing a Christian counselor. Her name's Robin Novicki, and she had just happened to mention she thought I lived close to a really good church that she had used to attend. So I first attended Emmanuel in February of 2015. I had walked over one evening um, for an evening service. Um, all through the service, I, I felt a stirring that I don't think I'd really ever felt before in my life. And um, I knew what it was. I knew it was the Holy Spirit, but I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, so I, I kind of just bottled that up and tried to contain it the best I could. Um, I wasn't really sure how to start the relationship with Christ or even if I should, you know. I, I felt like, you know, I, I already grew up, I was baptized, um, you know, I, I know God, so I wasn't sure what the next step was. So I struggled with that for several weeks. Um, I would come to service regularly on Saturday evenings and I would feel the same stirring over and over again. Um, just never really took that next step until July 4th of 2015, um, Again, on a Saturday evening service, I just, I felt overwhelmed with emotion and overwhelmed with what I felt was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And it was during the opening songs, they were playing beautiful things. And I just remember for the first time ever in a church setting, just, you know, being emotional and just coming to tears and knowing that this was the moment I needed to accept Christ. Coincidentally, a week later, they were doing a baptism service and I just happened to, to get signed up for that just in time. Several months after being baptized, um, life still was messy. Um, I was still missing something. So it was during a fast, um, ironically halfway during a 21-day fast, that um, Danny had approached me and had mentioned a book called Renovation of the Heart. and. Um, suggested that I would be a good read for me. This book is about putting on the character of Christ and so I took this book and this time of fasting as an opportunity to draw closer to God and to really kind of let God work in me and through me and around me for the first time ever. Up until this point I had given him bits and pieces of my life and saw him working in my life but there were still parts of my life that I kept private and that I didn't let him have. And so I just, you know, I remember falling to my knees literally one evening and just saying, I can't do this life on my own anymore. I need help. Um, you know, I was struggling with loneliness, with depression, and just um, trying to find what my purpose in life was. And so through this book, through, you know, coming to church, through this fast and through drawing closer to God, I really felt that um, I truly finally surrendered my life to God and He took control. Since coming to Emmanuel, um, 
I have found that I have different opportunities available to me now, not just with coming to service, but in being able to serve. Um, I now participate in serving in the e-cafe. I've also been able to attend a small group um, every Wednesday evening and have the opportunity now to start potentially leading a small group. So I really feel like God is using me in different ways and working through me to allow me not just to be a follower of Christ, but to actually start discipling and sharing with others. And that's how I'm using this opportunity with my relationship with God is to hopefully draw others to Christ as well. I don't think there had ever been a point in my life where I completely understood the sacrifice that he had made for me and dying for my sins and what he went through. Um, and it, it, it just makes me so emotional to think about um, God giving us his only son and then Jesus actually laying down his life for all of us and, and for me. Um, it makes me want to follow Christ. It makes me want to make him proud and it makes me want to do things um, that honor him. You just heard Matt in the video say that it's amazing that God the Father would send his son Jesus Christ to this earth and that Jesus Christ himself would lay down his life to be crucified on a cross. But not just crucified, also three days later, rise again. Why? To pay the penalty for our sin. On the cross, Jesus Christ paid the debt that you owed. He paid for our sin, not his own. He was sinless. He was perfect. But he died in our place. Why? So that we can be close to God. So that we can be reconciled to God. So that our sins could be forgiven. All the shame, all the guilt washed away. Baptism is a perfect picture of that. We go under the water. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. We come back up a brand new creation in Christ. Some of you need to step into that today. You need to put your faith in Christ. You need to become his child today by trusting him, by putting your confidence in what he did for you. If that's you today, I'm going to lead you in a very, very simple prayer of faith. It's you just saying to God, I want to be your kid. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son. I want to be your child. I believe that Christ did what he did. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Would you enter my life? Would you cleanse me? Would you make me a brand new person? And if you'd like to do that right now, I'm going to invite you to pray. If you close your eyes and you can bow your head, you can keep your eyes open, you can look around, whatever you want to do. But talk to God in this very moment. Express your faith to him through this prayer. Say this to him, he's listening right now. Dear Jesus, I trust you. I don't have all the answers. There's a lot I, I'm still unsure about. But I believe you died on the cross for me. And you rose again to pay the penalty for my sin, to wash away all the guilt so that I can be in a relationship with Heavenly Father, so that I can be close to you. I receive that love right now. I receive your grace. Invade my life and make me your child. And from this day forward, help me to fear you Help me to make your concerns my concerns, my top concerns, so that I might live close to you, in friendship with you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that simple prayer a few moments ago, you, you heard me mentioned, first of all, you heard me mention that I talk a lot about reading the Bible. If you just prayed that prayer, we want to give you a, a, a portion of the Bible. It's called the New Testament. 
And the reason we want to give that to you for free, there's tables back there to my right and to my left if you're in the balcony, if you just prayed to receive Christ. The reason we want you to have these for free, no charge, is because we believe that when you open up this book, just like I did this morning and many others did this morning in Matthew 14, you get a picture of who you're dealing with. You get a picture of a God who loves you. You get a picture of a God who's miraculous. You get a picture of Jesus. He's loving. He's compassionate. He's caring. He's powerful. And as you learn who he is, you begin to draw closer to him. You begin to learn how to fear him. So we want to give you one of these Bibles today for absolutely free if you prayed to receive Christ today. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? Do you love him today? Do you fear him today? My hope. Here's what God's been showing me as we wrap up. Here's what, before we pray, as we wrap up, here's what God's been showing me, okay? I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to know, like, what the heck is going on in the world? Anybody else? What, like, what? Like, why are we still here? You ever wonder that? Like, why are we here? This is madness, right? What's going on in the earth today, in our world today? I watch the news. I try to follow, and I go, what, what, God, what, what are you doing? Why are we still here? And here's, here's, what, here's the answer I've gotten so far. I'm not, I'm not the smartest person in the world. But here's the answer I got so far for you. God's been telling me, here's what I'm doing. I am in the process of overcoming evil with good by means of transforming human hearts. That's why we're still here. I am in the process of overcoming evil with good by transforming individual human hearts. Wow. I'm down for that. And guess what? It starts right here in this heart. God is in the process of overcoming evil with good in my heart. And that starts to bless my wife first and foremost. Then that starts to bless my children. That starts to bless my neighbors. And the goodness that's inside of me starts to bless you. And then your heart transforms and you start to bless your children. And they start to bless their friends at school and you start to bless your neighbors and the whole community is overcome. Evil is overcome with good through the transformation of human hearts like Matt Pavey. Is that exciting or what? There is no other reason we are here. We are not here for your 401k to grow. Sorry, sorry, I hope it does, but we are not here for your 401k to grow. We are not here for you to get rich and get famous. We are not, we are here to partner up with God to overcome evil with good through the transformation of human hearts. You down for that? That's what this church is all about. On that note, let us pray to our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, Jesus, Spirit, we love you. Thank you for those who are baptized today. Thank you for those who put their faith and trust in you today. Help us to be faithful stewards of the message of the gospel. Lord, we pray for transformation in our own hearts. We pray for the transformation in the hearts of our, our spouses, our children, our family, our community. Invade us, fill us, take hold of us. Help us to fear you. Help us to make your opinions top concern in our life, the top concern in our life. I hope you are pleased today and honored. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you prayed to receive Christ today, make sure you grab your Bible on the way out. God bless you. See you next week. Bring a friend.